The best of human engineering meets the baddest of nature persevering. It's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2. getting a little bit more ridiculous each time alex and that's okay yeah yeah i'm here for it you know as the kids say is is that what they say eric that's what they say well you know better than me you're you're uh you teach hip young kids about uh i don't know dinosaurs or something i don't know what you teach them about but i don't teach them about dinosaurs I'm an English teacher. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Some Moby Dick or something lame like yeah, that. Something like that. No, the, the real, is. the real monster within us, Alex, is, is man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of monsters within us, there is no good transition out of that. But we're trying to stay alive, still, Alex. Oh yeah, yeah. We're trying to stay alive. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were say you had like gas or something. No, no. <laughs> that'd be a whole other issue. Oh man, man! So your other podcast is blowing up recently. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if people know that I do another podcast or not, but yeah, I think, I guess, we've, I think we've mentioned it maybe once before. Yeah, but. so I do a podcast called The Thirteenth Floor, and it's really blown up for some reason lately. Uh, I guess everybody's finally found it. It's been going on for almost a year. And yeah. it's it's getting a lot of downloads of traffic. So hey, if you like this podcast, you might like if you like this podcast and you don't like Eric, thirteenth uh, floor is for you. The <laughs> <laughs> well, thirteenth floor is like conspiracy theories. Um, how would you describe it, Alex? It's like conspiracy theories, aliens, like weird weird science, weird like just weird goings on in the world and. Yeah. Um I I play the skeptic in it and then my wife is actually part of it. She is kind of like the middle ground that we have a friend named James who's like a true believer of everything <laughs> weird. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I tell you though for the skeptic Alex you don't really end skeptical most of the time. I I try not to be completely dismissive of especially <laughs> like some people like really believe a lot of that stuff. And so oh, yeah. I, I try not to be completely ske- skeptical and like outright dismissive like I am with you sometimes because like because oh, yeah. that's like the only way I can get you like revved up is like if I'm just completely dismissive <laughs> of something that you like. And so <laughs> but in general, uh, I don't try to be that way. Just I with got you. you. Just to, you just like to be a jerk to me. I got you. <laughs> well, we've got a lot to get to in this episode. Alex, including our first guest interview. I'm excited about it, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, we'll bring on a scrub. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, why don't, why don't you kick us off with our film introduction this week? Takao Akawara returns to direct his second film and the fifth film of the Heisei era, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Though the film has no direct tie-in with its original namesake, like Godzilla vs. Mothra, last week... Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 features familiar elements with a twist. Instead of alien technology, Mechagodzilla is human technology. Instead of King Caesar as a third monster, we get Rodan. As I asked last week, Eric, when Mechagodzilla returns, does Godzilla feel the burns? Or, as you asked, with a pedal to the metal, does this Heisei kettle start to settle? 
<laughs> I, made, I, I made you do the introduction this week because I just wanted to hear you trip over those rhymes, man. <laughs> I didn't actually trip over the rhyme, though. Well, no, you did fine. You did fine. All right. Well, to answer your question, does the kettle start to settle? I'm not sure if the kettle settling is a good thing, Alex, or in reality, if I'm just feeling burnt by this film. There's definitely that full throttle pedal to the metal in terms of monster action, but I think somehow Okawara heard my complaint last week about Godzilla versus Mothra featuring featuring two-dimensional characters, and I was like, okay, okay, well, how about a Godzilla movie? With no real characters. Boo. <laughs> Though I'm kind of I'm kind of joking about that a little bit. It's not a stretch to say that the characters in this movie don't do much. We get Kazuma Aoki, the G-Force pilot, who, after a decent opening 10 minutes, does virtually nothing in the film except make bad decisions. But maybe, Alex, you prefer Azusa Gojo, the character that serves <laughs> her one role as caretaker to baby Godzilla. I will say at least we get the return of Miki, who, despite having been criminally underused in the past couple of films, returns with more depth and character in this one. Now, don't worry, Alex. I do have some good talking points, some positive talking points about this one. Mm. Um, And maybe this is a little bit of that film snobbery coming out in me. But did you feel the same way as me or was just or was this just not your cup of tea? No, I mean, you're definitely a film snob for sure. Uh, But (laughs) I'm actually kind of still processing the film. I did watch this one twice as it seems to be just a, just something I do every week now. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it, but I think I came away at least a little more positive, maybe not more so than you. I actually think that Kazuma Aoki didn't, make bad decisions the whole film he's clearly a very savvy scientist who creates the garuda one uh the flying ship that's in this film and mm-hmm. when his project is rendered obsolete by mechagodzilla he's relegated to like basic military duty where he has to go through the training and all this stuff and frankly his potential is being squandered he's talented and his skills are being kind of put to waste like yeah he's a good pilot but more importantly he knows how to build stuff mm-hmm. and what we see is like we see him able to even adapt his Garuda one to work with the Mechagodzilla suit in no like no time with minimum uh, alterations. I think he puts it in that way. He ends up saving the day with a super Mechagodzilla that we see at the end. And well, he kind of saves the day until he makes the bad decision of leaving his post before the battle was won, Alex. Well, you, oh, you, do you mean do you mean during his initial fight with Mechagodzilla or the final? Yeah, battle? yeah, they win the initial fight, but then he's like, "All right, we've got this," and then he leaves in his little pterodon oh, flight yeah, ter- machine yeah. <laughs> before, <laughs> and, then, and then they're destroyed. That's what, that's true love. That's true love. He was worried about her. Oh yeah, 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 and he was also worried about the baby because who knows what happens if that baby's in trouble. But okay, yeah. you know, I don't think he actually even left the ship right until after. I'm trying to think. Was uh, Rodan back in action when he left the ship? Did no, Rodan come back? No, no, he wasn't. He thought the battle had been won, and so he left. But it was just like a really quick leaving. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he, he knew something was going to happen. You're like, all right, dude, <laughs> you're leaving really early on yeah, this he, one. He did. He and jumped I don't ship know how... pretty quick. But to be fair, I don't think he expected Rodan to come over and revive uh, the... Yeah, who, who would? Right, who would? I don't <laughs> so, so you can't blame him too much, right? <laughs> yeah. But 
But what I really like about him that like really elevates him is like this guy, he's on par with the Eggman from Godzilla versus Mothra or Mothra versus Godzilla. That guy that mm-hmm. was in like every scene oh, yeah. trying to eat eat an egg. Because like this is a grown man that I, I've never seen a grown man love a Pteranodon so much. <laughs> It, it it was like legitimately humorous. Like, did you notice in his car that he had a pteranodon stuffed animal that was like suction cup to the window, and he had I a did t- it, but and he had a pteranodon rear view mirror ornament that was hanging off of it. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. It, I actually like really like that. Like, you know, we all know those people that have like these really weird like things that they are very passionate about, like. You're, you're, Are you uh, talking about the majority of the Godzilla fan base, Alex? <laughs> yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Hey, and maybe he's a representation of the Godzilla fan base, you know? There you <laughs> go, yeah. <laughs> but we all know that person. I mean, we all know that person that loves comic book movies a lot, like me. And <laughs> we we know people that like read too many books, like Eric. I actually felt, felt that he was like really relatable. And I also thought that his relationship with Azusa, the uh, caretaker... It actually really worked for me. It was one of the better romances, actually, of the entire series. And this time, they're not even related, which is kind of nice. Like, <laughs> you know? So she, and I think she works well as baby Godzilla's caretaker. And But she, she is a little more two-dimensional than I think Kazuma is. But another character that I really think got to shine was Miki. It was really mm. good to see her back in the limelight after being relegated to like literally a couple scenes over the last couple movies. What I really liked was like she has this interesting arc where I think after realizing like seeing the baby Godzilla and seeing kind of the plan to paralyze Godzilla and stuff that she's kind of realized that maybe Godzilla's not the problem. She doesn't really want to fight him anymore. She's she's yeah. really kind of turned her done a 180 in her mind and we've really throughout the series kind of been along with that ri- that ride with her where we like oh god man kind of keeps screwing up and the film as a whole really just has a lot of world building stuff that i like as well i'm kind of going on but stick with me because i have a but, feeling you're gonna have a little rant of your own <laughs> no I, I i agree i would agree i just to, to jump in for a second i would agree about miki i'm definitely she'll come up later on for sure um yeah, and we do go on a journey with her. And I think ultimately she's right. You know, and this is the film where you're not quite sure if Godzilla is the bad guy anymore. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely open for interpretation. And you can definitely make the case that he's not the bad guy, right? He's right. doing the most, compl- the complete, a completely natural act in all of this. Um, and the humans here really take that role of the bad guy. It can kind of go either way i think but yeah. yeah the world building as you mentioned there's some good world building stuff especially i like the opening credit scene what did you like about the world building yeah I, i'm like you i like that i love that opening credit scene and akira ufukube's score i'll talk about it a little bit more but it really did elevate this film and it, it i think it is one of the best parts but i, I like that this is like perfect follow this actually should have been after godzilla versus king Ghidorah because it is like that directive a sequel like, we get the ramifications of the Futurians leaving their technology behind in the ocean. And what do humans immediately do with it? Not further any type of, like, possible humanitarian effort or help just the general public, but create a giant Godzilla-shaped weapon from it. Like, 
They use this Godzilla-shaped weapon to fight Godzilla, who really isn't a problem. When's the last time that he really came around on his own? So let me walk you through like my logic. So okay. Godzilla attacked Tokyo in Return of Godzilla of his own volition. Uh, it was because of nuclear energy, but he did it on his own. But then in Godzilla vs. Biollante, he comes in, he's mad about Biollante being around, right? Mm-hmm. And so a man-made issue, it's unleashed by a man. And then we get uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, where he's there because the future people messed up. So it's still man. It's kind of evilish man, but it's still man. And then this, uh, the last film, he attacks because... Someone drags the the cosmos in, and he wants to fight before the cosmos even got dragged there. We see that he wants to fight Mothra and Batra. Like mm-hmm. he immediately just wants to take him out. They still decide to move everything towards the city where they don't want Godzilla, and then they're mad at him when he attacks. And then we're just getting it all over again, where we drag baby Godzilla in this time, and we're inviting the destruction, and then we're mad at him when he comes at him. Right? Yeah. It's like. At this point, I'm not blaming Godzilla for anything. If anything, he's trying to solve the world's problems. He's trying to destroy Biollante, King of... I mean, he's he's solving all the problems without bothering them anymore, <laughs> but they keep dragging him back into it. It's like this... Mecha Godzilla is like this ultimate solution to their own fabricated problem. Yeah, and I mean, I, I agree with you mainly there. I think the Mecha King Ghidorah at the end was definitely coming in to save the day because Godzilla was kind of owning Tokyo there. It wasn't out of malice. I, I think it was Tokyo. I'm not sure. I could be wrong there. It wasn't out of malice, though, you know, uh, that Godzilla was attacking. It was the after effects of everything else that had happened in the film. Yeah. Um. So I, I agree with you on the Godzilla part. Um. When we're talking about the humans in this film and their utter depravity, I'm right there with you. I like that point about Godzilla. Um, <clears throat> what do the humans do with this technology? As you said, they use it to create what? Mecha Godzilla, <laughs> right? And Mecha yeah. Godzilla has always struck me as a little ridiculous in a way that makes complete sense when we can consider the human propensity to create useless <laughs> in our destructive crap, right? Yeah. Not only does humanity build this stuff, like they build this weapon, but they also build it in the form of Godzilla. Like how vain can you be? (laughs) It's like some sort of morbid desire to recreate that, which they fear the most with the ultimate aim to do one better. It's, it's like humanity is trying to flex on a God, (laughs) but one problem, Alex, one problem, Alex, nature can't be conquered. Um, as I said, I did appreciate that opening sequence of the construction of Mecha Godzilla. There was some room to breathe there. Um, and as you said, some world building that takes place. And when Mecha Godzilla initially battles Godzilla, he flat out destroys. Um, now, I'm not quite sure, you know, why that surge comes back into Mecha Godzilla. Maybe you can explain that to me. Um, and it could have been a flaw in the human des- design or something that they overlooked potentially. Um, but let me set you up on a T, Alex. I think the best act- aspect of this film is the score. I mean, what's not to love? What in the score stood out to you? Yeah, but before I go on about the amazing score, the the oversight in like that design comes from an ability that we've actually seen from Godzilla a couple times during the Heisei era, and it's it's this little I guess I almost said move, but it's just like this ability that he has. 
he looks like he's getting ready to unleash an atomic breath like he typically does. But then it's almost like it implodes and it goes back inside of him. And mm-hmm. then he unleashes power. We've seen him do it against Biolante when he was in the grip of Biolante. And we've seen him do it against King Ghidorah when he was grabbed by that. So it's mm-hmm. not a new power. It's something that he's done before. He just internalizes the energy and like bursts it outwards. Yeah, that, that so, makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. it's just something either they didn't plan for or maybe they hadn't even noticed that he had done that twice now. Both right. are actually pretty possible. But I want to get back to that big Akira Ifukube-shaped T you set up for me. I have to say that that opening theme we get while they build Godzilla is stellar. I love that music. I mean, it, it kicked ass. And But honestly, everything musically about this movie is awesome. Even the weird, like, psychic kids singing, totally not with kids' voices, <laughs> like, to Baby Godzilla. Like, those are not kids' voices that are singing that song at all. But that music is, like, it's really good. It's even, like, a little bit haunting. And that's, like, when mm-hmm. Rodan, like, slowly resurrects. So it's, like, really appropriate, just not appropriate for little kids to be singing, probably. But really, <laughs> every inch of this film, musically speaking, is pretty masterful. And... I, I don't think anyone would be out of line saying that the music is the best part of the movie. Uh, but that music that especially executed during the uh, Godzilla's final attack on Mecha Godzilla, it's just like, it's almost like a strange choice. It's that typical Godzilla-ish theme, but th- the way it's implemented makes it sound like Godzilla's triumph over humans. Like, it's mm-hmm. a good thing. And yeah, I actually agree, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of the score, here's the thing, Alex. I did not expect Rodan to be in this movie. But then I saw that awesome shot of Rodan coming into the picture. And then that score start to pick up. And I just absolutely love that sequence. <laughs> I actually think that the first Godzilla versus Rodan battle is the best monster sequence that we've gotten in the Heisei era. Wow. I, once again, I had no idea that Rodan was in this movie. So I was super excited. And then there were a bunch of cool moments in that battle, including there's that one shot of Godzilla slowly coming out of the water. And there's just a real sense of menace with Godzilla. Um, Speaking of which, Godzilla as a monster, he was definitely a highlight in this movie. Um, He reminded me of Jurassic Park T-Rex. There were several close-ups of his face that were genuinely frightening. And every chance he got in this film, he roared. To me, it's the most human-like of the Godzillas we've actually seen thus far in the entire series, both in appearance and in action. And then when you compare that to the hollowed outlook of Mechagodzilla, you get a real juxtaposition between the mechanical and the organic. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a juxtaposition there that's interesting. In in particular, even with the uh, humans at G-Force in particular, they've broken Godzilla down into this like really cold science that we see within the first 10 minutes of the film. Like they know everything Mm -hmm. about this thing. Well, they think they do at least. And G force really is like this hollow out, almost bloodthirsty seeking organization just bent on destroying Godzilla and nothing else. Whereas Godzilla, his whole motivation in this movie is he just wants the baby version of himself. (laughs) You know, it's like, I would say it's his kid, but it's not really. I don't think he even laid the egg. <laughs> so, but it's it's an interesting like dichotomy compared to what we have actually come to expect from these films. And talking about this really has kind of turned the movie around for me. Like, I think there's a lot more depth than 
I think you're even giving it credit for Harry. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, Alex. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I do like I do like your point about the G force being almost cold and a reflection of Mechagodzilla itself in the way that it's kind of dissected in a scientific way, Godzilla. Um, and he, he was a line, Alex, that I loved in, in, in the film. It didn't make my upcoming award. That's probably my second favorite line. And it comes from one of those cold characters. It's the G-Force Lieutenant June Sonazaki. When he says he's he's in Mecha Godzilla and Rodan has just revived uh, Godzilla, he says, "Impossible! It doesn't make any sense." <laughs> and I'm right, <laughs> and I'm right there with him. The last thirty minutes of this film don't make any sense. Okay, G- and now listen. Generally, when it comes to things like this, I don't get caught up in plot details. That's, I mean, people can do that. It's just it's not like me to get caught up in 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 the plot. Um, but when other aspects of the film, like the characters have been ignored, I start to notice these plot holes. Um, and maybe maybe they're not plot. Maybe I'm mistaken. But I start to get a little nitpicky. Um, now, mm-hmm. first of all, that Rodan, like sacrificial degeneration of sorts, Rodan should have been dead. <laughs> we basically see him bleed out. And then what? How does Rodan give his energy to Godzilla. We haven't seen this before ever in the series. And speaking of Rodan, the physics of that baby Godzilla Saurus snatch made no sense. <laughs> How he destroyed the helicopter and somehow caught that that canister. No sense. He would have killed both baby and Azusa. <laughs> then somehow, somehow, all the humans escape Godzilla's utter destruction of Mecha Godzilla. I mean, come on. Have some teeth. They got burnt to a crisp, but somehow they survived. <laughs> I just don't get it. And Alex, I know this sounds bad, but my favorite scene of the movie is the closing credits. <laughs> oh my <laughs> but, gosh! <laughs> but seriously, I actually the the scene I actually did like. Right, you get Godzilla and Baby Godzilla walking into the ocean with that haunting score in the background. And yeah. how about that June Fukuda moment? at the end in the closing dialogue of the G4 squad, there's a back and forth and it goes like this. It's like the definite winner in all this is life, life, (laughs) the power of life over artificial life. (laughs) I'm like, come on. (laughs) You can't be any more on the nose than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a Fukuda moment, but I do want to, I do want to lay out possible counter arguments for them. Some of them I agree with some of them I don't, but I, I don't know if you know this about me. I, you know, you probably do, but I love being devil's advocate. I love playing the other side on anything. Okay, so I'm going to start with uh, Rodan coming back. I don't think him coming back to life is too big of a shocker, right? Yeah, he's bleeding, but when he come, when he attacks again, he's doing it, or when he comes back, he's doing it because of the squeals of the baby, right? And mm-hmm. it's a last-ditch effort. I mean, he takes one shot from Mechagodzilla, and he's down. Now, they do mention that he's irradiated, which is why baby Godzilla was, his egg was next to Rodan's egg. Mm -hmm. And so the regeneration that, it doesn't surprise me that he's back, A, because of regeneration, just like Godzilla. They make a lot of points to make him sound like he's a lot like Godzilla. But B, it doesn't, it's not too much of a stretch for him to land on Godzilla and 
Godzilla uses that radiation to feed. Maybe it's not even Rodan giving it. Maybe it's Godzilla feeding, hmm. right? Because we've never seen Godzilla actually eat radiation, right? right. He, more like <clears throat> he just goes and grabs it, and he's good. He's good. So there's that. Now, his powers are weird. Like He, he suddenly gets uh, atomic breath, just like Godzilla. And he has some like other abilities, right? But this is not the Rodan we've come to like from the Showa era. This is Heisei Rodan. Yeah. So he's got different abilities. We, we've got to put that aside, Eric. All right? Okay? So okay. I don't... All right. Yeah, the dissolving is a little bit too much for me, though. <laughs> I will say. And <laughs> what, about, what about the humans escaping Mechagodzilla? Okay, so there is a scene while Mechagodzilla is like getting lit up that it says that a computer says something like escape pod. And so it, it does say that they're getting ready to escape via the escape pod and they do. But the problem with that scene is they don't show the escape pod launch. So later we just get a scene where a computer is like zero survivors. And he's like, uh, or zero survivors ship destroyed. And it's like, he's like, yeah, ship destroyed, but you're not quite right about the survivors or something to that effect. And then they all walk outside the escape pod. I'm like, when did that thing launch? We never saw that. And then also, I'm totally with you. Rodan totally would have killed baby Godzilla and the girl. <laughs> but I, I can I can brush that one off. And you're totally right about Fukuda as well. This is a Fukuda ending through and through. Just beat me yeah. over the head a little bit. What, what what was it you told me? We were talking about this at one point. What was it? I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, it's definitely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's the worst, though. That's the worst. It's awesome. Hey, if you don't like puns, quit listening to this yeah, podcast. Like, if you weren't willing to say it, I was going to say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex. You know it's time. It's time to uh, welcome in our guest this week. Yes. We'll, we'll bring him in, right? <laughs> nah. nah. <laughs> We'd like to welcome in Drew Cassidy to the Monsters vs. Men podcast as our first guest of the podcast. Alex, tell us a little bit about Drew. Yeah. Uh, well, and I always think that we met in like screenwriting or something like that, but I think me and Drew actually met at Hollywood Video back in the day. Is that right, Drew? Yeah, that's right. It was uh, over the summer, I think you had... Came up from your hometown and transferred in. We hit it off. <laughs> we ran that shop in the in the worst parts of Lexington. <laughs> yeah, we, when it went out of business, we threw a hammer into the wall. So I think the statute <laughs> yeah. of limitations is up on that. So <laughs> I yeah. think so too. Yeah, I remember that. We 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 saw how far across the store we could throw a hammer. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I forgot about that. I know Drew a little bit from like a fiction writing class that we had where I remember one of Drew's stories. His main character was named Quentin after Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, I also know Drew. He, he, uh, do you still write for Kentucky sports radio or not? Uh, No, I I quit doing that, but I did that for a while. Yeah. And I, and I read lots of Drew's work on, on Kentucky sports radio uh, we're all kind of Kentucky fans, and they just lost tonight, so we've been kind of upset and mourning their loss. <laughs> and Eric likes to keep bringing it up. <laughs> Even on the podcast. 
what was your yeah what was your first encounter with Godzilla? Um, it sounds like maybe you had some experience before Hollywood video. Did you love it immediately or did it kind of grow on you over time? Yeah, I think uh, when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with like monsters. I don't know where it came from, but it was like all those horror icons, Freddy, Jason, and somehow like Godzilla. And speaking of like fiction writing, I can remember writing in kindergarten, like we had journal every day and I wrote a story about getting chased by like Godzilla and Freddy and Jason. I'd never even seen this movies, (laughs) but somehow I knew the characters and I was just like hooked. And I remember going to my friend's, uh, birthday party one night and he rented Godzilla versus Biolante from the little uh, video rental store in our town uh-huh. mm-hmm. and it was just like oh man this is the coolest thing ever and uh, <laughs> listening to your episode about Biolante like I can remember back to like the box art where it's all kind of cartoony and it just like brings back so many nostalgic memories That's yeah cool. that night it's like takes me back to the 90s like super metroid magic the gathering and godzilla movies it's like (laughs) childhood (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty cool so back when you were a kid what was your favorite godzilla movie and then what's your favorite godzilla movie now i think probably return of godzilla is my favorite i remember the video store they had return of godzilla and biolante and i like return of godzilla just because it was like so dark and like ominous and it gave me nightmares, I think. And I, I was just attracted to like being scared. I, it's one of the appeal of horror movies. But my favorite now, uh, really like Final Wars just because it's so crazy and over the top. I'm excited. To, I'm, I'm excited for Eric to see that one. I'm excited for pretentious <laughs> film snob Eric to see Godzilla Final Wars. Yeah. He's in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned that you just have always been a like you've always been attracted to monsters, but why do you think you still keep coming back to Godzilla and this franchise? What's the appeal to you now? Uh, I think it's just like it's just interesting, like the ideas and how it stood the test of time. There's always like new monsters, and they bring in new new concepts like time travel or aliens, and they just like <laughs> you know throw whatever they want into the franchise and and keep it going and that that's why it's lasted so long i think it's like whatever's popular at the time yeah exactly <laughs> kind of like yeah let's try this yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah how can we stuff this into a kaiju yeah. movie i guess what what are your before we we're gonna get into our rankings at the end but what, what's your initial impressions i guess on godzilla versus becky godzilla uh, too? i'm kind of curious why it's called godzilla versus mecha godzilla 2 <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Was there a first yeah. one? Like, so aren't we all? It's uh, kind of a uh, reboot of the series, but I guess it kind of <laughs> somehow factors in the originals. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm actually in line with you. I think Eric is on the other side, which is it's two to three, so he's wrong. Well, um, that, that's okay because... <laughs> I'm right, but (laughs) (laughs) let's let's jump into our awards. And Alex, how about you start us off with the coolest character award? Uh, So my coolest character, I had to pick uh, (laughs) Kazuma. And uh, contrary to what you think, Eric, I think I think Kazuma is a very interesting character. Like he's an inventor whose talents are put to waste, and 
when they are put to waste, he becomes like this bored and very dismissive of his duties, which a lot of people do when they find themselves in situations where their talents aren't being used. And I think that's actually a pretty relatable thing to happen. And plus, he just really likes uh, pteranodons. So I think most of us can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've already said that this is a movie that pretty much takes away any human stories. But Boo. there is one exception, and that exception is Miki, our recurring character of the Heisei era. Um, I love the way that her in- internal conflict comes out on screen. You mentioned that earlier, Alex, but I specifically love that moment where she looks at the helmet that she's been instructed to wear to, def- to defeat Godzilla, and we get that shot of her face, and it goes back to the helmet and then comes back to her face and that hesitation, it lets you know that she's really struggling with her decision. It, it's her humanity um, that makes her the coolest character in this film. What about you, Drew? I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum with cold steel of Mechagodzilla, or I guess diamond-plated <laughs> steel. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just so awesome. Like, from the get-go, it's, there's no time wasted. Like, as soon as the opening credits roll, it's just introducing this new uh monstrosity that humankind is built to take on the threat of Godzilla and it's uh it's it's really neat how they start to draw on the older movies it directly takes from Godzilla versus King Ghidorah where they're digging up the remains of the Mecha King Ghidorah and and using yeah. it to build this new robot to, as their last hope of defense. Yeah, I, I really like that entire like opening moment <clears throat> where they're just showing how this new awesome uh, Metal Godzilla has come into being with that Futurian technology. Yeah. What about your... Uh, we'll start you first this time, Drew. What about your most memorable line award? Uh, I'll give it a shot. This isn't a summer camp for dinosaur freaks like you. That was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was in the dub when uh, Kazuma's first uh, coming into the G-Force and the guy's like giving him a little introduction and he's just like ripping them yeah. apart and making fun of them for like being interested in flying mon- dinosaurs when they live in this universe <laughs> where it's like a regular occurrence. I just thought it was really funny, like that tone. No, that, that's yeah. a that's a great choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked like just him in general. Like he's just always angry, and I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Eric? I I chose uh, Leo Manigetti as Doctor Leo Asimov. Leo's here, um, and this is the you know the older American gentleman where he says in it's not the best it's not the best acted line of all time but he says the time has come to finally uh put our technology to the final test and it was super on the nose <laughs> it was so dramatic and i just thought it really kind of encapsulated this film in a nutshell yeah yeah no i think you're right actually uh but i think it's the only thing you're right about <laughs> What about you, Alex? <laughs> uh, this is actually going to be my first memorable line and can't believe that acting award combo. It's like this Mechagodzilla mechanic guy. He's dressed in all white. and He's just in the background. He has one line. And it is the most bizarre line that I rewound several times to just laugh at. It's not the line itself, but it's the delivery. So you get one of my classic performances. Of, 
he sounds like Kermit the Frog, right? And and Sorcerer and stand by, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's like it's like really poorly delivered. I don't know if it's a Japanese man speaking English, and then he just has a weird voice, or if it's just I don't know someone overacting. But it's like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> the English deliveries in this line were special. Yeah, oh, there, there's another moment that's really funny. <laughs> you know what? I want to use it as my can't believe my acting award. <laughs> there as you well. go. <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead and do that. So my my can't believe that acting award. Goes to this scientist that speaks English. He's a uh, he's an American, I guess, in this. And it's when they're reconstructing Godzilla uh, after his defeat uh, the first time. And it's this, <laughs> this kind of rotund white guy. And he's pointing to, an, to a, a, a Japanese man about what they're going to do to fix it. And it's clearly that, it's clear that his lines are ad-libbed because he says, uh, we'll, we'll attach this here. And then... Uh, <laughs> Well, that'll do that, and then we'll attach this as well, and then, <laughs> and then the camera cuts, and it's like this guy's just—he was just told to do some science talk, and he had no idea what to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Drew, what about your can't believe that acting award? Uh, I really like the general uh, when he's like ordering the squadron right after uh, Godzilla defeats Mecha Godzilla the first time, and he's like scrambles the fighter jets and the tanks going into Kyoto. Uh, that guy needs to be tried for war crimes because <laughs> he's, he's sending in all these dudes. He knows they're going to die. It's planes and tanks that hasn't worked in like 40 years of movies. It's, <laughs> it's never going to work. And he just sends, he scrambles them all. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. And of course, Godzilla just, stomps them like they're nothing and all those <laughs> 10 good soldiers or however many were in those tanks that's it and then he just like yeah. is shocked that you know they met their demise and then at the very end of the movie like godzilla comes back his heart rebuilds itself through rodan's sacrifice and he finally seems to accept like all right, Godzilla, you're he like nods like you're all right. <laughs> like, like there's nothing we can do. He just finally accepts it. So I I like that actor. It was it was interesting throughout. Yeah, yeah, I I like I like that one. Um, I don't, Alex. You think we've we've used a monster before for the can't believe the acting award? I'm not sure. If yeah, we have. I know. I know I have when Godzilla sat down for the first time, and it was like just the oddest thing I think I've ever seen. That's right. During uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, yeah. and I did it during uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon, where you see Gigan and Megalon like kind of like shrug, like well, like what are you gonna do? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. This is this is probably the first time I've gone with a monster, um, and I'm gonna go with Godzilla played by Kampachiro Satsuma. Um, Honestly, the organism that exhibits the most emotion in this film is Godzilla and his beautiful self. <laughs> you hate this movie so much. <laughs> I don't. I don't really. There's a close-up of Godzilla after he's defeated Mecha Godzilla for the first time. And there's actually something sinister about it that stood out to me. And it's the first time I've actually wondered about what's going on behind the suit, really. Um there's there was a lot of work to to get that specific look 
on that specific frame. And I really appreciated that moment. Yeah. Um, that moment's really cool. What about the standout effect award? Let's start with you, Drew. Uh, I'm going to give it to baby Godzilla. Um, I guess it's the first time we see like the Godzilla Saurus really in this era of the films. And, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to note that the movie, this movie came out the same year as Jurassic Park. And I always feel like people kind of measure practical effects up to Jurassic Park in this era. And I felt like it still held up pretty well. Like the interaction with mm-hmm. people looked pretty good. I mean, there are a few scenes where it looked kind of hokey, but throughout, whether it was, you know, people in the suit or animatronics or a combination of both, I thought it, it really stood up pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I was surprised by how good the baby Godzilla source looked. Yeah. It was neat. I mean, it moved around. It showed a, a good amount of emotion for a bunch of, you know, just wires <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Yeah. What about you, Eric? I'm going to go with Rodan's de- decomposing corpse. Um, that should have been him dying. <laughs> I brought that up earlier. But, man, his, his corpse was pretty grisly. Uh, and it stood out to me as a great death until it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, uh, so you're talking about like when he got choked out. Yeah. Yeah. He was, like, choked out, and then there's like, he's like laying on his back and yeah, we see like, like blood and like, you see basically Rodan's saliva, you know, like he's, oh, yeah. he's dying. <laughs> yeah, <I> thought, <laughs> he's basically <laughs> left for dead. I thought Mechagodzilla had yeah. blown a hole in his chest when he went flying away and he's just like dying. And then all of a sudden he just yeah. pops back up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks Drew. Alex, what about you? I've, I'm actually kind of like you, uh, Eric, like, but it's just Rodan in general. Like he's entirely puppeted. There's no suitmation going on with him in this one. And it's just really impressive. Like, we don't get Rodan in a suit like we did in Showa era. This is entirely puppeted. And yeah, you can tell sometimes, but really it works pretty well overall. I like the scene where Rodan's kind of ripping into the crate. I thought he, it looked really good there. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. I think he looks good when he's shooting like the lasers out of his mouth. When he becomes what I found online is fire Rodan. He becomes fire Rodan. Nice. So. Yeah. I the mon- the monster action overall in this film was really impressive. Um, what was your, oh, that's a good shot award, Alex? Um, mine's actually the 27 minute, like, uh, it's about four second ish uh, mark where there's a shot directly behind Baby Godzilla, uh, right behind his head, and the camera slowly pans. Uh, it, the, well, the camera slowly lifts up to reveal Azusa's horror on her face, which is like this really cool, almost horror ish moment before you realize that baby Godzilla is actually like adorable and just happens to be a vegetarian that people know. They just know that he's a vegetarian by looking at him. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's a really cool uh, shot. What about you, Eric? I'm going to go with that, that point of view tracking shot of the electric grappling hooks entering into Godzilla. Uh, And of course, then we get that cut of them actually entering and those uh, spurts of blood. But the point of view tracking shot was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that is, it, it is cool. And it, it is, it's pretty grisly. Like both times that that happens to Godzilla, it's like, oh, yeah, I felt, I felt that it makes you feel bad for him. Yeah, for sure. 
Let's close out the awards with Drew. Drew, what was your Oh, That's a Good Shot award? Uh, I really enjoyed all the awesome like Gundam-esque establishing shots where Godzilla is just like being introduced in the in the base, I guess he's housed in. There's all these like corridor, like walkways in front of him, just like establishing his size. And, you know, now it seems like it's pretty standard. Any, any movie that has a giant mech suit, like it'll have these scenes, but this pretty early on in giant robot cinema history. <laughs> and to <laughs> yeah. me, it seems like it's a, it's an anime like coming to life and, some yeah. of that ins- inspirations yeah. like shining through. I think, you know, Mecha Godzilla and Godzilla kind of face off with the blast that's meeting in the middle. And I mean, you got to think Dragon oh, Ball yeah. is probably like late 80s <laughs> and, you know, inspiring <laughs> probably the creators of this movie. And it's it's kind of neat. Some of the things like that. Yeah. But uh, back to that base, I- I'm with you. That thing was really cool. Like. And when they show uh, God, Mechagodzilla going out of the base, like that that platform's lifting, and you see like the giant like hydraulics or cylinders lifting it up, yeah. it's it's a really cool way to illustrate his size. Yeah. I'm with you. So, Drew, I think we're also going to give you the you got the last award, but now you get the first rating and ranking. All right. And Drew, we um we rate things out of five stars here, even though Alex tries <laughs> to rate them out of ten. All right, we rate them out of five. Okay. <laughs> Can I do half stars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Half stars are great. All right. So I'm going with a 3.75 out of 5. And like I said earlier. Oh, my gosh. Wait, wait. That's three quarters of a star. I like it. Yeah, I, like I, th- it. I thought that was acceptable. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. What's that? Like that it. translates to a 7.5 out of 10 on the 10 scale. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Like I said earlier, the thing I enjoy about Godzilla films is their long longevity and kind of adapting to trends within the film industry. And this Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla seems like the first really just pure action-oriented, like they don't care about any of the characters at all or <laughs> establishing like their plots. They're just there to, you know, combat the monsters and you see like all these action oriented movies that the West was putting out like um, Terminator two, like John claude Van Damme, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like all these huge action movie vehicles where the plot is secondary to just these big set pieces and, and fights. So I think I'll agree with Eric that there's not a lot of substance to the movie. If I'm going to predict what he's going to say, but it's just a, a lot of fun to watch and uh and for that i i give it a pretty high rating just because it's it's kind of a long movie but it moves fast just because it moves at a breakneck pace and never lets up <laughs> yeah it really does i think it was eric that pointed out to me that there's two battles with before the 40 minute mark <laughs> yeah which is which is saying a lot for the action and, this, and the final 40 minutes of this movie are nothing but action but before I started working on the notes and my thoughts about this, I was pretty down on it. Uh, maybe even as down as Eric is on it. But as I started to write about it a lot more, I'm actually a lot more sold on it. I actually think like the final 30 minutes regarding the pacing uh, is just, it's a little, it's a little too slow, but it, it, like for a battle, it's also too long. I think it could have been trimmed down by like a good, maybe eight minutes or so. And I think it would have, sold the fight a little bit more but i was actually unlike i guess both of you i was actually sold on about four characters in this movie 
uh, Miki, Kazuma, Azusa, and the 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 uh, general who got your best line award. I, I think I I really enjoyed all four of them, and I also think that Mecha Godzilla is just my favorite Godzilla foe. Uh, this one really kind of solidified it for me. King Ghidorah sold it like sold his existence really for me in Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, but this really like just solidified. I like Mecha Godzilla. He's my number one foe, and I really like what they've done uh, carrying on from Godzilla versus King Ghidorah and all the world building. And so I think I'm going to really have to give this a. I'm still debating on my score. I want to give this a set. I'm going to give this a three. I almost said seven, Eric. <laughs> I want to give this a three and a half out of five. Nice. Where, where does it rank so far in your Heisei era ranking list? It's at the top of my sevens, so it's above Biolante, but below King Ghidorah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I liked it, Eric. Yeah. Well. What about you? When I think of this film, <laughs> I <laughs> my first thought, and allow me to be dramatic for a second, I first thought about Ecclesiastes, Alex and Drew. I thought, just, just van- shut up. <laughs> vanity, vanity, all is vanity, both in regards <laughs> to humanity's desire to build a machine that tries to conquer Godzilla at its own game and in this film's approach to how to make a monster movie. I just couldn't connect with any of the characters. They felt more like conduits for the monster action than living and breathing people with much at stake. Yes, I love the score. The monster action is awesome. I loved Rodan. I agree with you. Mechagodzilla is my favorite Godzilla foe. I even like Miki's role in this one. Um, But in the end, I like a Godzilla film that mixes human characters with something at stake with the monster action. Um, Without it, you get a film that feels more like a Michael Bay film, which I don't particularly like, than a Marvel film, which I do like. Uh, So I give this one a two out of five, and it's my lowest in the Heisei era. Boo. (laughs) Now, Eric, I do want to ask you a question. So if... If when Mechagodzilla had gotten destroyed and it killed everybody inside, would it have elevated the movie for you? <laughs> if everybody no, had no, died. For real, though. For real, though. Yeah. If I mean, everybody if it, if it died. Killed, like, or if it at least killed like three of the characters. I don't know. I think then I think then there would be consequences to humanity's actions. And, you know, there would be a little bit more intentionality, I feel like, behind what was going on. Uh, so I think that would have helped it. Definitely. Um. Yeah, okay, I mean, so was, you just want people to die, Eric. Just go ahead and say it. <laughs> no, but I I agree. I mean, I understand both of your all's points. I just think, uh, like if we if we're thinking about a modern comparison, we we've talked about Jurassic Park. You know, in Jurassic Park, there are stakes involved. Like each character has yeah. clear motivations. And there are clear stakes. And so we start to actually feel for these characters. And we feel like something could happen to them. Here, we feel like nothing's going to happen to these characters. There's no consequences for their actions. And they get away with everything. And everything's fine at the end of the day. It's just, it doesn't feel realistic to me. Yeah. No, I I, I get it. I, I do. I like it better when you just kill everybody. Just like Eric wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Drew. Thanks for joining us. But where can people find you yeah, online if you want people to find you online? This is fun. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at and Cassidy. 
or on Instagram. I have like a little page for random pop culture stuff, and uh, that's at Cast the Collector. You can see all the random junk that I buy and uh, <laughs> try and display in unique ways. Nice. That's, that's that, cool. Yeah, that is cool. I need to check that out. I, I'm so bad about Instagram and. The only thing I get on is Twitter, and I should not be on it. I should not be. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to social but, media, we just aren't the best, for sure. <laughs> we're, we're really not. I like Letterbox though, and that's something that Eric introduced me to about a year ago. Yeah. And I actually enjoy being on there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, hey, Alex, let's share our questions for next week and have Drew uh, give us a winner between our two questions. Mine got deleted, so I'm thinking of mine right now. So you go first. <laughs> All right. My question for next week's episode, Drew, is this. When Earth is attacked by a Godzilla from space, will the Heisei era say face or end in disgrace? Oh, my gosh. Why did you do so many? <laughs> mine was so lame. hard to talk. <laughs> uh, well, oh, God. Uh, all right. When Godzilla fights a crystal, will he be done in by a missile? <laughs> I can't think of anything. That's, that's pretty good too. I'm, I'm gonna have to give a nod to Eric on that one. This is just oh, boo. yes, yes. We should have forced Drew. We should have forced Drew yeah, to was, do one. I was one. trying to come up with one real quick, but nothing came. Yeah. To me. <laughs> where can we, do you know where we can watch this film, Alex? Uh, yes, you can watch this. Uh, this one's actually pretty available too. Like just like Mechagodzilla was, you can actually rent this on Amazon, Vudu, Google play. Like you can, you can rent this anywhere and you can buy it anywhere too. So it's easy to find. Just use your typical services. And as always, you can find us on the social media that we're terrible at on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. Uh, on Letterbox, you can just search for Eric Neely or Alex Cornett. And, of course, send us feedback at email, not at email, at mvmpod <laughs> at gmail.com. And you know our sign-off, Drew? Yeah. All right. You want to try to say it with us? Because Alex <laughs> Alex can't get this right. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to work especially yeah, well three of us. with three people. Yeah, we've got this. All right. Until next week. Try, try to, to stay, stay alive. Alive, yeah. Yeah, Peace. that's how Drew sees why I can't do it. <laughs> See everybody. Oh, tell me. Is what is it? On like Rodan Island. And so Rod- Rodan yeah. flies by the tent and the, the lantern falls down and the tent instantly explodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It really does. made out of? Sewed it out of gasoline. It's like that is not safe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put that as our end tag. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, you've got to put that one in at the end, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>